Good day. This is Eric Senrod at Dwayne Morris bringing you your weekly Tech Law 10, where the law and information technology intersect. As always, I'm joined uh, with my colleague, Jonathan Armstrong at Cordery. And Jonathan, are you trying to get into my pockets? What's going on here? <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the deep pocket theory and how it might apply to tech law. And I'm inspired this week by one of our regular uh, listeners who took the trouble to pick up the phone and call me because of something we said in an earlier podcast. And I'm not going to do his uh, erudite thoughts justice, but I'm going to try and summarize them. So what he said is we talked, and this is true, a couple of podcasts ago about what I call the disaggregation of modern business. So maybe even five or at least 10 years ago, if I was a major corporation, it was easy for me to identify what I did um, and, and especially what I did with people's data because things like the travel desk was just down the hall. HR was just down the hall. The people who did payroll were just down the hall. Whereas now, of course, None of that is true. People are using applications like Conquer to manage travel, PeopleSoft to manage uh, HR, uh, and then uh, a payroll might well be outsourced to a payroll bureau or whatever. And as a result, corporations don't control their own destiny as much as they used to. And our um, correspondent rightly said that, of course, that's not just the case in the HR field. And many of the products modern businesses sell also rely on other people. And I was reflecting on one example that I could give you, which is a, um, a, a client of ours that organizes things like conferences and events. And we've had a couple of issues across our desk in connection with innovative conference apps. So you might go along to a conference and it might say, oh, download the conference app and you can collect to other connect with other delegates. And, and how do you know if it's your event? Who's doing the due diligence on apps like that? In this particular case, it ended up that there was a two or three uh, man organization involved and there was a security breach. And, of course, the liability for my client was into the hundreds of millions because it's based on their uh, global annual revenue, whereas the people who are responsible for the data breach, who designed the app, had never made a profit in their lives. And it, and it seems that many major corporations are trying to innovate, uh, innovate. <laughs> be innovative. And, and that's <laughs> laudable, of course, Eric. But oftentimes they're trying to do that by partnering with micro startups to do that. And that's particularly the case in some fields like machine learning and AI and, um, and facial recognition, for example, where people are not necessarily developing their own technology. They're buying in technology and assembling that into their offices or their services. And what our correspondence right, rightly says is, of course, that's a hugely risky area 
things like machine learning and AI are very risky from a legal point of view anyway. But mm -hmm. if ever there is a litigation, then nobody is going to sue the two or three man shop that's never made a profit. They're going to sue the, the reseller or the person who's incorporated that technology into their offering, who are quite often respectable, large corporations of long standing. So I guess the message is for any large organization or any medium-sized organization, it's the usual message, isn't it? Be careful who you're partnering up with. Do proper due diligence. If it's a really risky area, then it might be that you've got to be much more forensic with the, um, you know, the bright two or three man outfit who you found or who has approached you because they're somewhat in a risk-free environment that they haven't got that much skin in the game other than their time. Whereas you as a large corporation have got cash, reputation, and customers to lose if they get it wrong. And what we've also found, as I think I said on the last podcast, is just because you care about these things, that doesn't necessarily mean that your business partners and vendors feel the same because they might have a much more, let's call it, energetic approach to risk than you might have. And as I've said, they've likely got less to lose. So there's all the, um, you know, the usual stuff you have to do to check out things like privacy registrations, check out things like data protection impact assessments, check out financial wherewithal, make sure that the contracts are in place properly. But also, of course, there's the softer element as well, looking people in the eyes and seeing if they're the sort of people who will fit with your corporate culture and your attitude to risk. Yeah, really good topic, and I'm glad it was brought to our attention. And, yes, Jonathan, you were erudite, so <laughs> thank you very much. Um, so I think you've raised a really good point, and, you know, the, the larger companies, you're right, do uh, feel uh, some incentive to try to partner with these small innovators, if we will, these micro startups. And you're right, they, they might be in the areas of AI, machine learning, facial recognition, uh, et cetera. But then, you know, beware, you know, what potential liabilities you know, you're bringing within the ambit of your own company. And there, there are risks there. Um, so, you know, one other point would be when a major company is partnering with a smaller one, one of these innovatives, you know, have really firm, you know, contractual terms, you know, disclaiming uh, responsibility and liability for, uh, you know, risks really on the side of the table of, of the micro startup. But nevertheless, even if you have good contractual terms in place, uh, you know, when there is harm, when there is, you know, uh, you know, real damage out there, you know, who is the aggrieved going to go after? Well, maybe the micro startup, you know, in form, but they're really going to go after the big target and, and the deep pocket, as you say. So, sure, look, you know, look them in the eye but do incredible due diligence, um, have strong contractual terms, and then think about whether it's a good idea to, to be, uh, you know, 
getting in bed with a, a given micro startup. Don't you think, Jonathan? Yeah, I think that must be right. And, of course, you'll have transparency obligations under GDPR if personal data is involved. So you have to really track back through that trail because, obviously, you have to disclose what's happening with the data to people you're selling or offering the services to. So so you're exactly right. I mean, due diligence is key, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay, well, very concise. Well done, Jonathan. Thank you. Uh, This is Eric Senrod at Dwayne Morris. Uh, my email address is ejsenrod at duanemorris.com. You can find us on the usual social media outlets. Um, keep giving us your topics like you just did for further podcasts, and all that remains is for Jonathan to wrap it up. Thanks very much, and, yeah, thank you, especially from me, to um, the person who took the time to reach out to us with an interesting topic, I think. Uh, Jonathan Armstrong, jonathan.armstrong at cordrycompliance.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you again in a week or so.